Swanson to first. to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. We are back with episode 127 of Four Future Considerations. The gang is all here. I'm Manny, Matt, and John are with us as well, getting ready for another weekend where, fingers crossed, the weather will be just a little bit better. Yeah, give us something here. Come on. We've been good all year. We just want to go outside. Just want to see our friends. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Right, John? (laughs) That's right. Yeah, we had a cold, long weekend. We're due for some better weekends coming coming up. Come on. You know what I think about it, though, right? Like, all the long weekends, usually in May... This one always, yeah. It's pretty crappy, yeah. isn't it? That like one it always rains is. or cold or something like that. That right? one always is, yeah. Yeah, the spring, I'm, I'm starting to really dislike the spring, just in general. Like, can I get a, just a steady temperature? Like, I may not love when it's 35 degrees for, for the entire month of August, at least to know what it's going to be <laughs> instead of trying to get the kids ready one day and they're wearing shorts and T-shirts and the other day they're wearing long pants and jackets and... Crosley wants gloves for the, yeah. the like. What can we just decide on what we're doing here? Hate the roller coaster. Yeah, hate the roller yeah. coaster. You're gonna like it when it's 35 every day in August this year. I I have always been all right with the heat. Yeah, I, I don't mind. Now I got a pool in my yeah. my backyard. I'm moving in for uh, for July and August. <laughs> Rashad's gonna visit. Rashad's gonna be down here again. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> you, know, you guys got big plans this weekend? Hmm. No, actually, I don't. Um, we were so focused on the long weekend, I didn't look <laughs> past, <laughs> past the long weekend at all. It's kind of like, oh yeah, we got another weekend here. There are um, other weekends. Yes. Well, well, we've been getting the right combination of sun and rain up here that I have to mow the lawn like every five or six days. So I'm oh, sure yeah. I'll be breaking out the lawnmower again this weekend. That's probably my go. big plan for the weekend. There you go. Well, I, I got a message from my good friend Laura in Melbourne, not Australia, but in oh, Melbourne, okay. Ontario. Yeah. No. <laughs> who, who says, uh, how can a person not like soup? <laughs> so she, I think her husband, Jesse, listened to the last episode and heard our conversations about soup that she had to come out and say, how does anyone not like tortellini soup? Ooh. Okay, but when she, it comes she, to She soup- initially said... How does anybody not like soup? Right. And then threw in the tortellini. Tortellini soup. I like that. See, to me, if you have a lot of soup, though, it's like drinking a lot of water. Like, you're just kind of full. Like, you're full, but you're hungry again a while later. So that's kind of my thing with soup. Don't eat a lot of soup. It's like a, a I nice don't. little appetizer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the full meal. Yeah. It's just the, the accoutrement. Ooh. I got a wedding this weekend. Oh, okay. So in big metropolis of London, the Forest City. Wow, very nice. Uh, Roy and Aaron are getting married. I don't know if there's going to be soup on the menu. There's got to be, I right? Would, it's a I wedding, would inquire right? well before I get in the car. <laughs> Gas is like $2 a liter here. I'm not driving up there for some rubber chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I want a nice soup. 
some nice dinner rolls, some croissants, maybe. Uh, make sure it's yeah. a good. Yeah, yeah. There's a good piece of beef there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. This is uh, this is birthday party weekend. Little man turns uh, five next week. Oh, five! So wow. Birthday party this, this weekend. weekend? Yeah, birthday parties this weekend. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Cross. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's five. That's great. So, what's a five-year-old birthday party look like? It's pretty much every other day. I mean, he's just going to run <laughs> around like an animal and crash into things and. This time there's going to be balloons <laughs> and, a little, so, and some cake, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Will there be soup? <laughs> Probably not. Although he does like soup. Okay. They're both they're both uh, Italian wedding, or as they refer to it as meatball soup. Oh, they're both big meatball soup. Fans. Okay, yeah. meatball soup. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my so, wedding, no soup. Did you guys find that it was lacking in any way? A few, a few different ways. <laughs> it, it's been long enough. Do you really want to talk about it now? Because Matt and I have been waiting a few years to get into it. So. Our poor guest is just waiting on the line here as we dissolve your wedding day. Oh, yeah, this is the OT, but we have a special guest. We totally forgot about the guest. This is our second episode of the week. The first episode, we did talk about soup, but we also had a lot of debate fun. Yeah, we talked about farting, too. <laughs> Class. It was pretty good. It really was. Class. We covered it all. Soup, always... movies, farting, and the Leafs. <laughs> I always say on the show, we put the ass in class. <laughs> now time to meet our guest for this week. He is a Windsor native and award-winning drummer, best known for his work with the Tea Party. We are sure you've heard of them. They have been nominated for 14 Juno Awards, 22 Much Music Video Awards, winning six, and their album, Triptych, was named one of the 500 greatest rock and metal albums of all time, according to Hard Rock Magazine. They have also released a brand new CD deluxe edition and remastered vinyl edition of their iconic first album, but this is just a part of his resume. He has worked with countless musicians, including Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson from Rush, forming the Big Dirty Band and recording a song for the Trailer Park Boys movie soundtrack. He also was a member of the Canadian band Crash Karma, with members from I, Mother Earth, Our Lady Peace, and Zygot. His resume includes work as a radio announcer for The Rock in Windsor, working with our man Matt Dumichel. He performs and hosts countless charity events, including an event taking place this weekend. And he's getting ready to go back on tour with the best hair in the business. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, Jeff Burrows. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, fellas. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. It's very nice to be here. I just got a haircut. So you can't see it, but it's all good. <laughs> We've been jacked up for this. And people are still trying to get in touch with you. Listen, we've been jacked up for this. Um, it's great to have you on the podcast. It's great because we primarily talk about sports, but we love music too. By the way, are you a big sports fan? Dude, I played triple-A ball up until I was 16, and I was captain of my travel hockey team uh, for two years we i played against ty and went to hockey school with pro b and all those guys so yeah i'm i'm a huge sports fan huge and and detroit i'm not toronto i'm sorry 
I am Detroit. <laughs> since the Dead Wings. Since 76, man. You don't need to apologize for anything. There's not a Leafs fan in this podcast. Oh, really? Right I, now, always, so, I, always yeah. Matt, I always thought Matt was no, a Leafs No, we're, we're on the same side here, Jeffy. Don't worry. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. It's the, it was the other guy that we had to worry about. Uh, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> By the way, a big happy birthday to your son, Alexander. How was the party? Uh, he's in Punta Cana. He just graduated, so he's he's... 14 days in heaven right now with his girlfriend. So. so he's having a great party. Is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, <laughs> Mom and dad aren't there, so I'm sure it's probably much better than if we were. So. <laughs> and how's Nicholas doing? Nicholas is really good. He's my oldest. He turns, uh, he's 26. He turns 27 in uh, October. He leaves for, um, he, he leaves for Europe uh, tomorrow, which is Saturday. It's just pretty amazing. I'm pretty excited. He's excited. They've, they've got big festivals, smaller dates. Um, you know, he's they've been they've been waiting for this for for two and a half years. Like it, it all got postponed. Like much like everything else. But when you're at that level and at that age, and you've just got your record deal and the album's supposed to come out and all of that sort of stuff, he was he was hit with the hard face of reality real hard and. It, it was um, it was a bit of trying times, but he's pretty pumped now, and everybody's ready to go. We should mention for anyone who doesn't know, he's also a drummer, just like his dad, right? Well, he's yeah, no, but he Faro does me. He he's a drummer, he's a producer, he plays guitar, piano, he he does everything. Like he's 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 real. I just fake I've, <laughs> I've faked this for thirty years. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised at all that he's touring Europe and, and doing all that stuff. You blew me away when you said he was 26. Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> Matt, it's crazy, man. That is crazy. I, I was at, when you and I were at The Rock, is when he first moved to New yeah. York. He was 13. Yep. And he's been in, living in the States much like um, a young hockey player for, for 10, 12 years now. And it's, it's incredible to me. It blows my mind. So half his life he's been in the States waiting for this so yeah that's right matthew and martina are good too matthew's amazing martina's great she's got she's still a nurse and she'll uh she'll be done that in a couple years i'm i'm sure so i'm i'm hoping i'll never get to retire (laughs) she'll be retired (laughs) oh man so great, great. The family's awesome. Uh, let's get into your music right away. When did you know? I, I think I've heard so many different versions of this story, but when did you know you wanted to get into music and specifically be a drummer? Who inspired you? Well, so when I was when I was very young, I, I was in piano for three, four years. And then I found out my dad was a drummer. My mom started talking to me and that's when she met my dad. Right. And he never let on that he was a drummer, ever. And then one day, uh, he's a police officer, retired um, as a deputy chief in Windsor. But one day, uh, I was in our basement, and I looked under his workbench, and I saw this drum kit. And I'm like, what is this? And I I ran upstairs. I'm like, there's drums. I want to set up these drums. (laughs) And he said, there there shall be no drumming in this household, because he was a younger (laughs) cop. And he's on midnights, and I get it, right? So he he set me up with a practice pad, and that's when you start learning all your rudiments and so on. So I quickly thought, what better way to get chicks <laughs> than, than to play drums? 
piano ain't gonna cut it for me, right? So I'm in a I'm in I'm playing hockey, I'm playing baseball, and I got drums. I mean, I've got the trifecta. When you're when you're 11 years old, that's it, man. You're the drummer, right. and you play ball in hockey. Come on. So um, I started that, and I bought my first kit as a as a paper boy with my paper boy money and um i don't know when 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 we when we decided to really really go for it um there was a few incarnations of the band all through grade school high school post high school in um university and jeff and i even had a duo a blues duo for a while but um it came to a point where um, the old coach and horses uh, downtown, right next door to the Windsor Star. Uh, our, our, our friend, the manager at the time, she said, look, can you and Jeff put your duo back together because I'm short a band three weeks from now or two weeks from now. So we immediately thought, and, and Jeff and Stuart were down from Toronto at the time because they were in the band The Stickmen. So I looked at Jeff and Stuart and I said, well, why don't we do a trio? And everybody was in. So I went up to Cherry Beach Studios in Toronto and we did a jam session for about 11, 12 hours. And from there, it just went boom. It was it was a nice, it wasn't like a growth overnight. It was a nice slow, you know, after a year, we're driving up between Windsor, London, Toronto, and then we'd leave our Toronto date at, overnight. And then we'd hear ourselves on CFNY and they were playing our, our song Save Me and it blew our minds and then we ended up with a publishing deal with Warner Brothers and then we ended up with a record deal with Capitol Records at the time. So that's it. The rest is history. 30 years ago, can you believe that? Yeah, it's weird, right? I mean, when, when, we're, when we're young, you always think, oh my God, like he's 27, he's so old or he's 35, he's so old and, and whatever. And before you know it, Jesus, you're in you're in your fifties, and and you're like, I still love doing this. I'm gonna do this until I can't do it anymore because it's so much fun, and we get to travel in Australia, Europe, across Canada, parts of the U.S. Uh, I've been very lucky, and um, there's nothing not to love. It can be grueling sometimes, but when when you're touring now and there's a tour bus or, or the flights are great, then. It's it's not hard at all. It's just a long day, long days. But you grab a nap. I learned how to nap from Matt and uh, or Matt and Craig Venn back in the day. <laughs> it's probably the one good thing about our show is we had some pretty good tips about napping. So pretty good nap tips. It was great. I'm like I could never nap, and now I can nap like a mofo. It's amazing. Are, are you surprised looking back that it's been that long and that the music still stands up? That you get a chance to tour again? That uh, the people have, are clamoring to see the, the tea party back together again and, and see them again this time around. You know what? It's 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 humbling, and I, I am truly honored. Like it, you can't. It's it's the gift that keeps on giving. And I mean, we worked hard. We worked very hard for it. And it was you know missing my first Christmas with my wife, my new wife. Um, missing birthdays. Missing communions. Missing. Easter's and so on and so forth with my kids. There's a lot of sacrifice, but at the end of the day, we've been able to, you know, you sell three million records, and um, we can still tour, and we can go to Montreal and play in front of three thousand, four thousand people. We can go to Sydney, Australia, or Melbourne, Australia, and play in front of five to eight thousand people. It's it's crazy, and it's it's humbling because. 
you know, you're just... I'm just like you guys. I'm just like everyone else around here. It, it, we 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 got lucky in a sense, but we had the opportunity to write and write and write and hone our skills and and try to get better. And by by being good live on stage, it's it's afforded us a bit of a career. And that's I think that's what separates uh, the girls from the women and the boys from the men is that if you can really if you can perform on stage you'll always have an audience and we've been lucky and now we're starting to see the second generation of our original audience they're bringing like their kids who are my age out and it's wonderful so and mom and dads have money now <laughs> so, <laughs> buy that merchandise <laughs> um you mentioned all the sacrifices but um what stands out in terms of good memories and uh wild stories from uh, early years of the band or anything you can tell us yeah 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 the <laughs> Some of the best, well, one of the greatest memories, um, we were the last band to ever play, and this is sports related, at the Montreal Forum with Page, with Page and Plant. And we opened, wow. we opened for Page and Plant, and we ended up going out with them that night. It was mind-boggling, guys, honestly. And um, they said to us, you're the first band that ever got a standing ovation to do an encore opening for them and I was like well of course we did <laughs> so that was a standout uh, the SARS Fest was a standout um, playing with Pearl Jam across Europe and festivals is a standout um, going to Australia the first time and what you would do it's called a residency tour so if it was Ontario but it was Australia um it would be like you're going to hub in Toronto and then you're going to go play Scarborough, then you're going to play Mississauga, then you're going to play Hamilton and you'd go back and forth and then you'd stay at the same apartment hotel back then, $79, two beds and a floor and that's all we did and we kept doing that for about three tours and by the time the second record came out, we were playing in front of 1,500 to 2,000 people which for us was the cat's meow and and was just fantastic so again very fortunate um you know there's so many bands out there and there's the stars always have to align you know what i mean it's not if you're a hockey player and you're that good they will know but there's a lot of trickery in in the music business where they sound amazing and you don't know and they end up with a number one hit single in america but you go to australia and they play live and they'll dismiss them if they're not good they're done they'll never come back they'll they will they won't they'll leave early it's amazing so that's sort of what happened i guess i was actually going to ask this question before you said that about uh, whatever band that was but um i remember i was a fan of yours when i was in college and we played a lot of your music on our college station mm -hmm. and is it true i seem to remember that when you went to australia you guys were the headliners for creed and then in north america it was the other way around is that right so not not creed in australia um australia people were dumbfounded that um primus were opening for us so Winona's got a big brown beaver, that whole, you know, that whole vibe. <laughs> and then um, Creed was interesting because we we were actually the first band that went out on the road with Creed before they blew up. And we actually had a tour bus and they were in a van and I'm like, who is this band? Who are these guys? And then literally a month later, they're the biggest band in America and, you know... <laughs> 
but but yeah, we we would kind of swap. So if we were in Pontiac, Michigan, we would headline. If we we're in Chicago, we would headline. But of course, if you get down in, into Georgia and Florida and that whole panhandle, they were they were huge. So it was nice. Great guys. You know, Scott has his issues, but Scott was always super super cool. Tremonti's amazing. You know, they're great guys. What about some of your? Uh favorite albums and favorite songs do you have specific songs like heaven coming down climb the charts right and that was 99 i want to say yeah heaven coming down was weird for us because it was the first time um we had a it's called a crossover hit so we were always on the rock charts temptation did really well i mean you know in the beginning the river did really well second album fire in the head and the bazaar did really well and saved me on the first record as well but then when Tripta came out, it was um, we had this crossover hit, and it was really strange rolling into radio stations that were, you know, top forty, and it's like JJ in the morning with the crazy crew, and then ding ding ding, and all this cowbells and horns and silly goofy shit, and you're like, what is happening? Yeah, that was our bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember talking to Matt. I don't know. Why. <laughs> So that was really good, and it's done really well, and it's and it's appeared in in some TV stuff, and so, I'm, we're forever grateful. It's it's one of the more boring songs for me to play live. So for me, some of my favorite songs to play live are when we have the opportunity to play with orchestras, and um, when we're in Australia. The last time we were in Australia, like we've done a Canadian tour proper with an orchestra, but um, probably three years ago. Oh no. Three years ago, that's that's COVID. Five years ago, <laughs> we uh, time flies, right? Right. Um, <laughs> we did a we did a really really cool show with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, and they are the best orchestra in the Southern Hemisphere of the planet. And we're just mind boggled, right? There's 3,200 people. We're in this grand theater, and um, you know they they were just we were awestruck of their talents and abilities and and you really get we have one rehearsal where we have to we have to learn the parts so the music is transposed from how those songs were written 20 years ago so the way we play those songs now if it's just a rock band is completely different so we have to sort of recall how it went 20 years ago because that is when our friend who is the maestro transposed the music for the symphonies so you do that and normally save me is around 18 minutes well now save me is seven and a half minutes and normally this song is say eight minutes and now it's three and a half minutes so you have to relearn everything which is kind of not normal uh for a band of being around as long as we have and then you go into one rehearsal with the the orchestra and it's it's five hundred dollars per orchestra member per rehearsal so holy crap you got it which well, dude they're they're trained professional professional professionals right so for us it's like holy crap but then you're thinking <laughs> about it and you're like well think about it dude you know yeah. so 48 people times 500 that's your initial cost then you do the recording 48 to 52 people it's a thousand dollars per person in the orchestra plus the maestro fee etc etc um, point is, the the best time 
playing, the, the, the time where I actually have to think. Because the beautiful part about playing in a band, if you're good enough, is you don't have to think. You're just having fun. It's like you're out on the golf course, you know, playing whack F and just having a good time. <laughs> and you don't really have to think. But if you can pull off that symphony show and it's almost flawless, that, that is what really, really makes you feel good. Because it's, it's very difficult. And we always somehow <laughs> come out of it. I don't know how, but we always come out of it. And um, so my favorite song, back to the original question, my favorite songs are really any song that we get to play with an orchestra, especially um, Requiem, which is a song that we wrote for our late manager who died when we were very young and he was 38. So tearjerker wow. kind of uh, a song, but, you know, it's such a different vibe. Everyone's sitting down and it's... You know, clapping right. quietly and no moshing. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Heaven Coming Down being the crossover because I thought it was different than what I had grown up with the Tea Party. Mm. Like Save Me and Temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, like those those songs really stood out for me. I loved them. It's, yeah. It's why I became a fan. Yeah. It was... So we... The beautiful part about being in this band... So there's only three of us, which is nice because... When you're in a five-piece band, you're the bass player, you play bass. You're the drummer, it's four on the floor, it's simple, leave it alone. You're the singer, you sing, you're the guitar player, rhythm guitar player, lead guitar player, you have your parts. When you're in a three-piece band, um, I don't have to be showy, but I have to be a little bit more dexterous, and I have to have a few more parts, so I'm playing the acoustic kit, but I'm also playing the electronic kit at the same time. Our bass player, keyboard player, Stuart, is playing bass, but also playing foot pedals with his feet, or he's sitting down playing keyboards and playing bass parts with his feet. And Jeff, of course, plays a multitude of stringed instruments, uh, too many to name. And it, and it, it kind of, as a three-piece, it gives you that freedom to be able to do that. So with the first two albums, like you said, bigger rock music kind of thing, it was great. And it enabled us to say, at that point, anyone who appreciated our music is kind of expecting the unexpected because it changes up so much. Splendor Solace, Edges of Twilight. So Splendor Solace, blues-rooted. Edges of Twilight is kind of world music-based. Transmission was like a heavy, dark, electronic thing. And then when we came to Triptych with Heaven Coming Down, we started thinking, why don't we write songs that are more melodic that kind of harken back to when we were in high school with, I don't want to say necessarily new wave music, but bands like Echo and the Bunnymen and and the Psychedelic Furs and, you know, New Order, Joy Division, that kind of thing. And it just changed things up for us. And the beautiful part about being in this band is people don't expect you to be ACDC. They don't expect to hear four on the floor, same guitar tone, same drum tone. We're lucky, and and it's nice that people um, afford us that opportunity. So when you went for different sounds on each different album, um, did you guys make that conscious decision going into sessions and writing and things, or did it just kind of happen? It, it just kind of happened. Um, trend, well, so first record, obviously, we're from Windsor. Um, grunge was taking off, um, but we spent our formative years in a bar called The Coach and Horses watching blues musicians from Detroit come in and just blow the roof off with them and a guitar. And, and we'd just sit there 
jaws on the ground and we thought this is it like so very blues oriented the second one we really got into a band called dead can dance and they're very world music oriented very eclectic very strange in some parts but very beautiful and we thought what if we combine that with the rock sensibility and and kind of pull in those um, early Beatles and early Rolling Stones parts where they were looking at um, Eastern instrumentation and Eastern percussion and stringed instruments. And then by the time we got the transmission, we really loved Trent Reznor, the Nine Inch Nails vibe, everything that they were doing, but we wanted to have the rock version of that. So we thought, let's just smoke this. And that's kind of what we did, but we used all analog um, keyboards and sounds for that and we were not one of those bands to have um, to have loops playing in the background anything that you hear we were actually playing so if you're going to hear electronic drums I'm off to the side playing my electronic drums sitting behind my regular kit but playing that and then going right in and when the song kicks in I'm into the kit and so on so it was a nice sort of gradual evolution but I think, I don't know if it was ever our plan to do it like, let's change this, let's change this, but it worked out in our favor. And to be in a band and to avoid that nine to five mentality, like we always were trying to avoid, like many of us try to avoid, right? I don't want to punch in and punch out. I want to do different things. And and it worked out, uh, I don't know how, but we were very lucky and we're, we're pretty humbled by it. So in 2005, um, you guys, what do you want to, whatever you want to call it uh looking back at it now <laughs> looking back at it now you all did your own separate things for a bit you came back together how has that changed you guys as a band has that worked in your favor now that you took that break and get a chance to kind of refresh or looking back on it what's your take matt is so politically correct that was <laughs> that was a horrible breakup <laughs> <laughs> and what we so uh, do tell <laughs> well it's it's the story i mean without detail detail uh, we we just it's and i hate it when everybody makes this analogy because everyone does in a band but a band is like a marriage and if you lose communication you have nothing and we had we're we're in the machine and no there's no one telling us what to do but we're in it and we're surrounded by yes this and yes that and blah 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 and you're going and going and going and you get burnt out but you don't address internal problems and what you don't address and what you forget is that sure when you were kids and you started your band it was just fun goofy I don't care if I make a cent no one cares but then after four albums you're five or no by the time we broke up it was seven albums it's it's like this is a business, whether we like it or not, whether you want to admit to the fact that we, we want to play live because I want to put bread on the table for the next year for my family or not, that's a fact. Like you're doing this not just for fun, it is a business. And I think we forgot that and we, we did not address internal issues that were nagging at me or nagging at Jeff or nagging at Stuart. And um, it just fell apart and when it did, it it crashed like like a like a bad crash. 
My metaphors are amazing. Stick around. <laughs> so, so did you guys go for a while without talking, or did you guys always um, keep in touch during your hiatus? Well, or? I'll give you a tidbit. Um, Stuart and I always remain in contact. Such Reddit Jeff Martin. No, <laughs> we uh, Je- Jeff was out of the loop for quite a while, and um, we. It, it just happened that our our agent or our old agent reached out to our old manager because we were not touring anymore and it was pretty much done saying, you know, there, there are groups and there are promoters and there are festivals that really want to hire you guys. And at this point, I'm thinking, well, I haven't made real money in a few years. Matt can attest to that. Um, so maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should consider doing this. And... I, uh, Jeff Martin was down visiting his folks, and I said, let's meet up, and we met up, and we started laughing and goofing around, and before you know it, we were back on tour and starting to write, and it's really strange. I mean, I mean, there's so many people that go through this nowadays because no one has the same job for 30 years anymore, and, and that's just a fact. When you're, when you're a young hockey player and you've got... 12 seasons in the bank nowadays they're all thinking of what they're doing after back in the day they're like I'm going to play hockey for the rest of my life you know and it doesn't happen like that it, it's not like you're you have to think ahead all the time so we started thinking ahead and we're like look um, if we can put up with each other which we learned to do because now the doors of um, of communication have been burst open and we've kept that like that since then. Um, COVID is a different animal and everything is still fine, of course, with the band. But that was hard on, on us and everyone else. But when we first got back together, it was very, very refreshing to be able to air your, you know, small problem with this. Or like, with no disrespect, man, can you not do this while we're on the bus or <laughs> can you wash your feet before we go to sleep you know things like that <laughs> it's just plain and simple stuff <laughs> trying to get matt to do that all the time and right? he still doesn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you guys are all in your own spaces now <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize that you were actually getting paid at the radio station we were just hanging out well barely <laughs> barely <laughs> That was just gas money, wasn't it? I, I thought it pretty much. It was gas money. But God bless. Yeah. God bless them. They were very kind to me, so I can't complain. I want to talk about radio, but you worked with, you had worked in other bands before getting back together. Like, what was it like to work with Getty Lee? Um, that was really cool. So that harkens back because we had the same management for 20 years, right? SRO management and Anthem Records. And... Um, my manager then, who, uh, from Coney Hatch, Andy Curran, who is a big Blackhawks fan, um, he said, hey, the guys are doing this stuff with, with Mike Smith and J.P. Tremblay and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hell, I'll do it. Let me know what to do. So um, I had already known Al, Alex, Al, Al Lifeson, um, well, and he was keen. And I was in B.C. when it came up visiting my mom. And I was like, holy smokes. Here we go. Like, what's going to happen here? This is interesting. So, <laughs> you know, three weeks prep, you're doing your sit-ups. Oh, i got to look good for this video. <laughs> kill it. <laughs> doing the whole thing. <laughs> and um, so I get to the studio, and there's Alex, um, 
I forget the producer's name, but he's incredible, and he's done a lot of Rush albums. It wasn't um, Terry Brown, because I worked with him with Crash Karma, but there was uh, Derek something or other, and then Ian Thornley, then Care Failure, then Adam Gauncher from Three Days Grace, and blah, 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 and everybody starts rolling in, and I had done my drums, and Alex was pretty happy, and I'm like, oh, my God, and <laughs> Alex <laughs> likes what I did. So I just sat there, and the song got completed, and then we had to do the video, and, you know, it was pretty spectacular. We did the the movie um, release party in Toronto. Uh, the tea party ended up in the movie, uh, in the strip club scene, and the car chase scene, which was pretty fun. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was pretty momentous because of the fact that I was now the third drummer to only ever play with Getty and Al, uh, from John Rutsey to Neil Peart to me for one song. <laughs> and, <laughs> So far, uh, and then, um, <laughs> and then of course back to Neil, and it was, you know, I'm so grateful. I've got such great memories, so, you know, and I'm still friends with all the TP guys, and and Al, of course, he's he supports my charitable endeavors every year, regardless. He's such a sweetheart, so I'm I'm lucky, man. I'm very lucky. Do you credit management for Crash Karma too, or how did that come about? Well, Crash Karma came about with uh, Amir Epstein. Um, who's a bass player for Zygote, and he call, he called Mike Turner from Our Lady Peace and said, hey, I've got Jeff Burroughs from the Tea Party and Edwin uh, that want to be in a band with you and me. And then he called Mike and said, hey, I've got Jeff Burroughs and... Or, or he called Edwin and said, i got Jeff Burroughs and Mike Turner <laughs> that want to be in a band with you. And then he called me and he said, hey, I've got Edwin and Mike Turner that want to be in with you. <laughs> I'm not shitting you guys. This is for real. This is the way it happened. I'm like, What? So we all end up in a room, and I'm like, I can't believe you guys want to be in a band with me. And it's like, what are you talking about? You want to be in a band with me? What are you talking about? (laughs) You guys are like, we all got screwed. We all got screwed. But um, you know what? Amir is is an amazing songwriter, um, amazing bass player. He's a lawyer. The dude's got business coming out of his ass. He's he he's a very, very smart guy. Just won his first poker tournament in Vegas. He does everything. Like he's he's one of those guys that is just like, wow. Um, so he put it all together. That was a bit of a lifesaver for me, to be honest, because the tea party wasn't back together and, and I was at my my ropes end um, just being in radio, although I was fortunate and grateful um, it was it was tough just to do that. Like the, it was when I'd get a remote, I'd be like, "Yes, I can go out there and, and say hi to some people or something like that." I just was not. I wasn't very good. Let's be honest. But I, I, I just was not used to just sitting behind a desk and, and stuff. And it was tough. So the crash karma stuff really took me out of the funk. <laughs> did that change you um, as a drummer when you came back together with Tea Party? Like, did you bring anything from those other bands back? To- so you know what? That's a that's a great question. Um, what it made me realize. So Crash Karma, Mike. So to put it in perspective, uh, the Tea Party is essentially a blues band at heart. So if you're if you're going to use con- something that anyone who's maybe not too familiar with with rock music, that's more of a Led Zeppelin vibe where I'm sitting behind the beat. It makes it a little bit fatter, right? So I'm playing a little right behind the beat. And when I started playing with Crash Karma, Mike Turner from he's from England and grew up there and he's he's a punk rock guy essentially. He he's a punk rock guy and he's way ahead of the beat. 
So now I'm falling on the beat and he's way ahead of it. So it was a very different dynamic. And then with Crash Karma, we all got to learn that much more within the studio confines about the production, um, you know, the, uh, the, the melding of different takes, choosing the best takes for this song, that song, and whatever. It was, it was wonderful, but um, very different. And then when I got back into the Tea Party, uh, Jeff and Stuart, or Jeff noticed that Stuart had gotten so far beyond where he was and in the studio setting, and I had gotten so far beyond where I was in the studio setting. He felt that much more comfortable relying on us to tell him do that vocal takeover or do this vocal take from this point to that point over. And it was wonderful because it was always very guarded um, between uh, whomever was producing us or the producer and Jeff. And I get it. Um, that was his baby. But he loved the fact that we came back with, I guess, better ears. Now you're getting ready to tour again. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow I start my drum marathon, or tonight, I guess, right? Tonight, at midnight yeah. um, for 24 hours. That started when I was in radio with Maddie. Um, it's the 16th year, and then um, that's uh, Friday at midnight till Saturday at midnight. Then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I do the Christmas album. That's the 12th annual Christmas charity album that we're doing. And then two weeks after that, I start on tour. And five days ago, six days ago, I almost dropped my Harley and caught it with my left wrist. So I've got tendonitis in this <laughs> wrist right now. My doctor's not very happy with me. Uh, <laughs> but I keep doing this and it feels okay. So <laughs> I'll be fine. So we're, yeah, it's very busy coming up. And uh, I've got I've got so much to do, and there's so much on the burners. I, I wish I could talk about that's even more exciting than any of that. Uh, there's so much going on. I'm so happy. But you guys know, right? As soon as, uh, as soon as COVID opened, it was just like floodgates. And right. while COVID was on, with my domestic jobs, I, I do contract work for St. Clair, and I, I work with Lyuna, the, the laborers' union, and I would produce these things, and we're ready to go, and COVID is open, and then two weeks before and I'm like, oh, eight weeks of work down the drain. And, and it was so frustrating. So I'm still fingers crossed, who knows what's gonna happen, but I think we're, we're in the clear for at least this summer, which would be nice. Let's talk about that drum marathon though. Mm -hmm. 16th annual Lyuna 24 hour drum marathon. Mm -hmm. For those people who don't know, you're raising money for six local charities in Windsor-Essex. Yeah. You're drumming for how long? So I, I start at midnight Friday night, and then I finish at midnight Saturday night. But I get – so I have different artists. It's a plan. <laughs> I, have different, I have different artists, so they have to change at every hour. So I get five minutes in there to, you know, use the washroom quick, uh, grab a soda from the bar, maybe put something in my mouth if, if come morning and so on and so forth. So um, – it's good. This is the I, I call this the first of the last five years. So this is this is the countdown. I'm going to do it for 20 years, and then I'm going to do the Jerry Lewis sort of vibe where I'm the host for 48 hours. I don't care, 72. But I, I I head in the back and I have a sleep. You know what I mean? Come out. That was so and so on the drums over there. Good job, kid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait for that. But yeah, this is this is the first year 
Uh, the le- the first of five left to do because I'm going to go to twenty and and that'll be great. And you've you yeah. even from the start and, and Craig uh, Craig and I always used to give you shit about the the first couple years. You probably on the twenty four hour drum marathon. You may have drummed six or seven of those hours that kind of wandered around. You the see, you've actually started drumming more as this goes along. <laughs> it it is true. It is very true. <laughs> this damn internet. People taking photos of me. Sitting at the bar is not cool, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now it's, for it's like come back and yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Anybody want some KFC? I'm heading out. No, we're good. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty full on now. It, it's yeah, it's it's tough. I, I I tell you, but I mean, it's so much fun. I mean, if you get through, you start at midnight, you get through to eight o'clock, seven o'clock, you're good. But I tell you, five to seven, five to eight. It's like, what does that do to your body when you're playing that much? Does it hurt your shoulders and arms? No, honestly, it's more lower back and butt. Um, I keep my shoulders, arms in really good shape, but my lower back should be good this year. I mean, Matt remembers. I used to train for two months preceding it, and I've been running like 12 to 15 to half marathons uh, for the last month. So I'm getting my, I've got to get myself up to tour shape. You really, if I'm 53, you have to keep your core really steady and just for mobility. And honestly, there's, I'm feeling really, really good, except my wrist, but I, that's getting so much better now. So it's good. We're good. The drum marathon, we saw that you had an autographed Nickelback guitar yeah, yeah. for auction, which is great. Those guys are awesome. Uh, that's but, great. Um, and, and you talked about the Saints album that you're putting together and, and then the... That I took I took a look at some of the places you're touring. They're mostly Canada, right? Uh, On this, uh, yeah, this run is Canada. We're we're just trying to ease into it slowly. Um, it's strange because it's not like a tour. Because normally, if you're going to start in the West Coast, that's fine. We'll we'll fly out to Vancouver and we'll rehearse for three days with the band and then two days with crew and production and get the light show and everything sorted. Um, but now it's like go to rehearsals, we're gonna do three or four days rehearsals, and then it's just festivals. So we're doing a festival here, festival there, maybe an inside show, come home for three days, fly out to the East Coast, do two or three shows, come back, Montreal, Ottawa, Quebec City, Belleville, come back, Buff- you know what I mean? So it's it's not like a tour tour, it's, it's, it's kind of nice, because I was at a meeting today, and um, the, um, Oh, Maddie, you know the tournament. Um, it's mostly NHL players, and it's at Beach Grove, and they're doing a thing at Augustus and whatnot. And I'm literally home for three days, so I get to be one of the celebrity golfers to, to play um, with Luke Robitaille and Gretzky and and a couple NFL guys, a couple PGA guys, Canadian uh, Golf Association guys. So it's pretty cool. I'm I'm pretty excited about it performing all, all these years I know your upcoming tour is based in Canada you talked about Australia a lot do you have a favorite place that you get jacked up oh we're going there this well, is the best place that we've ever performed it's Australia is always fun because it's just so it's such a crazy trip it's a long way there for usually not much more than 10 shows if if not less um, but it's always worthwhile and and 
they appreciate it because we've been doing it for 30 years for real and a lot of american bands just won't do australia or if they do it's literally melbourne and sydney maybe adelaide um but we go and it's perth adelaide melbourne sydney or melbourne twice sydney twice uh brisbane and then we'll do some gold coast shows and and it's wonderful um europe it's been a it's been a minute since we've back been back there but that's what they've been working on while we're um while covid was going on so it's it's a bit of a bummer because i really want to get back there but in the meantime i'll live vicariously through my my kid who's <laughs> gonna be in europe which is great for nicholas which is awesome we can't let you go without talking about radio life like oh yeah what's it what's it like to work with matt well, Matt was awesome because I would only catch them on the change, right? So about 20 minutes before they were signing off, I was signing in, and Matt was obviously the sports guy, so it was good because um, internet wasn't that huge then. I never got push notifications about my wings or my tigers or my lions, and I learned a whole lot about the lions from Matt because I always liked football, but I was never fought rah, 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 and I just remember my, when there was one year or maybe two it was matt was all about indomitian sue and he would go on and on and on about this guy and i was like who is this guy and i didn't even know what you were saying is this his <laughs> name what is his name um but it was fantastic so no matt matt i mean honestly radio was uh, it was an easy gig in in some sense of the word only because it was it was a lot of fun when it was fun um for me, showing up hungover is not fun, but you had a great radio voice. Uh, I, I had no trouble with any of the online or on-air staff at all. Management and I, uh, you know, but we won't mention names. You sound like a radio veteran. <laughs> like, you've got everything down maybe, pat, uh, right? Find like, me a guy that's worked in radio that has, gets along with management still. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I did, not that I didn't get along. I just, we just, it, it, it just was unusual for me. Yeah, yeah. Because I had grown up. I had grown up. At that point, it was twenty three years or or whatever twenty years that I had been in a band, and I've been a. It, that was my business. I was a businessman, and we we did quite well. And then we forgot how to communicate, and then it folded. And then when I got here, it was just like, huh, all right. I'll just do the best I can. I don't know. Sorry. It was a it was a learning curve, I can tell you that much. Man. But I do so actually fun. get uh, some some sort of uh, a credit or a, or a piece of history because when we used to do the Rock the Blocks and we'd go play at people's houses and you'd show up and we'd start jamming in people's kitchens, I know you would make a point almost every time to explain to me I had the worst beat or tempo of any person <laughs> alive. <laughs> It is true, Matt. You were, you were, you were horrible, horrible in that sense. But you know what's funny? So I just did, I just did four charity gigs with the Twisted Sisters. Oh, and they reminded me of the fact that they came. I invited them yep. to one of your Rock the Blocks in Chatham, mm -hmm. and they couldn't believe it. They're like. I'm hanging out with the guy from the tea party. I'm like, thanks for doing this. That's all I wanted. <laughs> it was awesome. And now we're we're great friends, and they play in the Saints, mm -hmm. and they do their own thing. And uh, but yeah, there's I I really don't have much negative really to say. I mean, I I was my own worst enemy in my radio days, and it's only because I would sulk and you know whatever. It's just, Matt knows it's 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 an easy gig and it's a tough gig all at the same time. 
how important is it now after so many years, the bands and, and all of that and the getting to do the drum marathon and everything, that you are certainly one of the, the best in our community at giving back and raising money and, and being part of that. How, how important is it to you to continue to give back to this area? It, it's a thousand percent. So um, that all started, I mean, it started a little bit before radio with the passing of my my manager like I spoke of earlier when he was 38 and he kind of got us into an organization called the White Ribbon Foundation which was uh, men against violence towards women and we would host these shows at the Phoenix Concert Theater in in Toronto and everyone from Alex Lifeson to the guys in Moist to 5440 to the Pursuit of Happiness you name it any any of those bands of that era bare naked ladies they'd they'd come out and and we'd host it and then i really got addicted to it i thought this is great and then when we were had the opportunity to do the sars uh festival um to raise money for that situation i got to meet all of my favorite drummers and i asked them for drumsticks and they all signed them from that show and i gave all the money to t2b Uh, this is amazing i've got a bit of a platform and then that was the big thing that when i got into radio i thought well, I've actually got a voice. I've got a platform. So why not use that? And that's when I thought I'll do the the Jeff in the Box thing. Uh, That was fun and not fun at the same time. (laughs) And then the marathon, which I thought this is going to be a great idea. Just a few years. It'll be great. You know, 16 years later. Um, But it it, it means everything to me because I... I, I, I feel fortunate enough to be able to get to do um, what I love to do. And um, if I, I, I do have the time. And I think that's what a lot of people forget is that it's, it's not about giving money. It's about giving your time. I mean, if, if, if you've got an extra two hours in your day and you can afford to drive 15 minutes someplace and 15 minutes back and give an hour and 15 minutes of your time to whether it be a food bank or this or that or volunteer here or there, it makes a difference, and that's all it's about for me. It, just trying to help make a difference or try to make people realize that they're in the position to be able to make a difference. Well, I can remember the first time I ever saw you guys live. It was way before we ever worked together in radio. Um, I saw you at a small amnesty show um, near Belleville, and there was an incredible lineup. There were all these bands mm. giving back. I remember yeah. I was uh, I lugged some of your stuff around on stage uh, way you? back then, and. That was you. That was you. Because you put all that. You put that in the wrong place, man. I remember you. <laughs> remember, remember the show when Stage Happy, left. Remember the show when Happy Ship was broken. <laughs> Stage it was left. So funny though, because there were all these. <laughs> there were all these great Canadian bands all doing this uh, little show for Amnesty, but it was this humongous show because yeah. you were there. Um, Fifty four forty was there. Philosopher Kings. I remember that. All oh, these great the bands. Philosopher Kings. What a band. Oh God, they're so they're good. so good live. Yeah, they're amazing so live. So good. Yeah, fellas. Yeah. Well, Jeff, the not only are you a great musician, but a, just a great person. Thanks for giving back to the community, and thanks for giving of your time with us. This has been fantastic. I truly appreciate it, fellas. Uh, let's do it again this time next year. Why not? If you don't mind. If you want to, yeah. <laughs> I'll love have to. new road we'd stories. <laughs> Matt's coming yeah. on the road. Matt's coming on the road this time. Yes. <laughs> with his pots I and pants? It. With his pots, with pots <laughs> and pants? Guys, I made no, it. No cowbell for Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt, uh, makes, Matt, Matt can prep a really good beer for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Just don't let John touch the equipment yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. John, right. I'm sorry, pal. Right. You're out, man. <laughs> if you want to support Jeff's 24-hour drum marathon, you can attend in person if you're in the Windsor area at Good Time Charlie, or you can go online. Just Google the event. You can see how you can donate. And if you want to learn where the Tea Party is performing this summer, go online, teaparty.com. You've been to one of these, haven't I've been you? Been to a few of them. Yeah. yeah, when he first when he first started doing them, he was with the radio station, and uh, we all thought he was ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's the twenty four hours. Oh yeah. So who's doing from uh, seven p.m. until uh, ten thirty the next morning? <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing this twenty four hours. It's, oh, so <laughs> like, like you're doing the whole thing? <laughs> Crazy yeah. man. Why? <laughs> So I've been to a few of them, and they're great. The, he always gets top-notch talent from from all over this this area to play with them and stuff. It's it's nonstop. It's incredible cause. No, Jeffy's a good one. Yeah, he's always raising money for something, which I think is great, giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. And the Tea Party touring again in June. Wow, that's going to be a lot of fun. I know he, he obviously. As we heard from him in the interview, he's really excited about going back on tour again. So. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time for them, too. And they get back in the studio, figure everything out. We're all the better for it. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen the Tea Party live and they've been one of those bands that you're like, you know what? I'm hoping I'm going to catch them at some point. Make a point of it. They are really, 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 really good live. If you like this show, tell your friends about it. We usually release two episodes every week. Our first one is a debate. Uh, about sports and everything else, apparently, because we have no limits. And then our second episode of the week, we usually have a special guest on the show. Yeah, you can follow us all the time in between as well on social media, podcast, ever, FFC on Twitter and Instagram. You th- talk about something that doesn't sleep. Uh, this Instagram and, and Twitter accounts uh, always got something, sometimes even before it actually happens. And on uh, <laughs> for future considerations on Facebook as well. That's right. And if you have any uh, suggestions or questions for the debate, any um, any of that type of feedback you want us to uh, read, send us an email for future considerations at gmail.com. We want to thank our sponsors, uh, Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor. He's a big Tea Party fan, specializing in sports training and nutrition and London awnings quality that shows. Yeah. So thanks again for joining us. We'll be back next week with a debate show on Wednesday. Until then, enjoy your weekends. And thank you for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.